it was the first time in living history that all the major rivers of northern Tasmania all flooded on the same day. So we actually had um, a metre and a half water come through our office. Parts of our factory, we had up to two metres of water go through our operation. It cost us a lot of money, but more so it took, you know, four and five months to really get us back on, back on track again. But I tell you what, it goes to show you the calibre of people that you have working in the operation when you, when, you, when you hit hard times like that, because, you know, here we were the day after the flood and we had so many people turning up here, gumboots on, sleeves rolled up, said, right, where do we need to start cleaning up all this mud? So, you know, and it wasn't just our workforce. We had so many local people say, what can we do? How can we help? Yeah, look, it was very humbling, really humbling. You know, and uh, we all had tears in our eyes the morning after the flood trying to work out what was going to happen. And uh, it just hit home to me that, you know, how important our relationship is with our staff and uh, and how strong the ties are that they believe that how important Harvest Moon is to their lives. Welcome to another episode of From Grassroots. I'm your host, Edwina Bartholomew. Imagine leaving your home and your family for the very first time, taking a bit of a risk in the hope of finding quite literally greener pastures in this case. Having never travelled to Tasmania, that's exactly what second-generation farmer Mark Cable did when he headed south from New South Wales as a young single man in his 20s. Hoping to find great opportunities to continue the family business, he got that and so much more. He established a life where the farmland meets the sea, a beautiful place. Fast forward 30 years later and Mark has cemented himself as a premier food producer of veggies, including everything from broccoli to beetroots and beyond, pretty much everything you'd buy in a supermarket. Mark even has a new innovative range of snackable veggies. He hopes to introduce new fans to fresh, healthier eating and he promises me he has the secret to making your kids love veggies every single day. So stay tuned for that. That's a big promise. Mark Cable, welcome to Grassroots. Thank you, Edwina. We're going to get to that secret very, very soon because I'm very keen to hear that. But first, Mark, tell us, where are you? Where is this idyllic place where farmland meets the sea? So we're in a little village called Forth. It's uh, on the northwest coast of Tasmania, about 20 minutes west of Devonport. As you say, we're, we're right on the sea. Forth is literally you know, two kilometres inland, but a lot of our farmland run from Forth all the way back down towards Bass Strait. So it is, uh, it is God's country. When you first found this place, did you think, can I believe my eyes? This is just, just spectacular. Yeah, well, I owe that to, uh, I suppose, the foresight of my father. He, he came down here in sort of the early 80s and started trading and doing business from the market, from into markets. And he kept used to come home and rave about this place called Forth and Tassie, Tassie, Tassie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I, I really, it was, it was Dad that was the one that sowed the seed in my head. Let's talk about your dad because he had a, a stall at Flemington Markets. It's such an amazing place, Flemington, if you've ever not been there. It's such a great place to visit. But you started work there. What did you learn from your dad in those early days of business? Well, Dad's story was a funny one. So he was a bushy boy from Dubbo and uh, they grew up pretty tough out there in the 40s and 50s and he decided there, there needed to be more than droughts and, and harsh conditions for dryland farming in Dubbo. So he moved into city as a young, young teenager and got involved in the markets. You know, the markets was a great business and, and look, it still is today, but back in the 70s and 80s, it was really a, a very exciting time in the fresh 
produce industry. So dad established a business, Cable Brothers Trading Hard Produce. And as a young fellow, you know, I um, spent many weekends and school holidays there learning the trade. But then as we moved into the uh, 80s, Edwina, the major retailers all started uh, showing signs that they wanted to go direct with big farmers and they wanted to cut out the middlemen such as the, the market agents. So that was when, you know, dad decided that, you know, we should, should change direction and get out of the markets. It's hard work, the markets. I mean, it's hard work being a farmer. What did your dad teach you about what's necessary to, to run a business like that? Oh, look, yes, it is hard work. And it was really the hard thing is the hours. Like they start from anywhere from you know, midnight to one o'clock in the morning and you don't finish until sort of midday the next day. So the hours are tough. I suppose dad's secret was because he grew up in the bush, he just took that really basic common approach to dealing with um, potato farmers and onion farmers all around Australia. You know, he was always on the phone. He was always making sure that growers were paid on time. Just clear lines of communication between the market agent and, and the farmers that he was dealing with. So you've learned all this stuff from your dad. You've worked in the family business. What made you market around 20 years of age? Say to yourself, right, I'm going to head off on my own and I'm going to Tassie of all places. Well, look, we, we had a small farm up in the Blue Mountains and uh, we, we didn't actually live in Sydney. So, and we used to go always go to the family farm at Dubbo. So I was never really wanted to be in Sydney. And then when uh, we decided that we'd scale back Flemington the markets and, I, and I'd been to ag college, I'd studied uh, horticulture at, at Hawkesbury Ag College. So really any, any uh, opportunity, I was out of Sydney like a flash. <laughs> That's pretty much anyone from the bush, isn't it? They just do not want to be in a big city. They'd much rather be out on the land. Yeah, and look, my current partner now and dad's partner was Neil Armstrong, who founded Harvest Moon. He rang me in, in uh, back end of October and said, listen, we've got a busy season coming up. I need a hand. Can you come down and work for a couple of months? So as I said, I was there in a flash. I threw a bag and a swag in the back of my ute. And literally the next week I was in Tasmania. All right, so your swag's on the back of the ute. You've made it down to fourth. What were those first days and, and months like just working as a labourer for Neil? Look, they were fun. You know, the, the business was young. You know, it was only uh, 10 years old. It was growing rapidly. So, you know, everyone was learning a lot and everyone was taking on a lot of new roles and, and we're literally learning as we're going from day to day. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. What were they growing at that time? Broccoli was, was probably one of the big lines. Uh, broccoli and potatoes. So they were the two big lines. And, and really, Harvest Moon was one of, the, one of the early pioneers of the whole broccoli category within Australia. Just to give us a sense of the, the growth from that point onwards, you started with broccoli and potatoes. How many veggies are you growing now? And just how much in quantity? Okay, so we're growing 14 different lines now, Edwina. Um, back then, I think we were, we were growing probably, we're still growing probably five or six different lines, but the scale would have probably been maybe a max 100 hectares back then to now probably close to 1,200 hectares now. Wow. So huge, huge growth. How much in tonnes would you be growing each year? Guesstimate. Oh, guesstimates around 80,000 tonnes at the moment. 80,000 tonnes. So broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, pretty much most things you can think of. Yeah, onions, swedes, beetroot, beans, uh, said that, cabbage. Um, still doing a few potatoes, but nowhere near as much as what we used to be. You know, we've, we've got another um, operation in, in, on the mainland. So we've got a depot in Melbourne, another one in Queensland. 
and they do the same procurement from and run grower programs 52 weeks of the year to supply woods. It's such a big operation now, but I imagine, Mark, that the basics are still the same. Many aspects of it would still be the same as it was, you know, back in the 80s. Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, modern agriculture has come ahead leaps and bounds as far as technology goes. And, you know, we've got robot stackers in the, in the shed now. We've got optical graders that take 18 images of a carrot as it zooms up the processing line. <laughs> um, you know, our, our tractors are all high tech and our harvests are the same. So that side of agriculture has come ahead leaps and bounds. And, and the technology is just amazing at what we're doing now. And, and even so on the recording side of it as far as, getting data and, and yield monitoring. But look, without a doubt, I mean, the, the, the same basics that Dad taught me as a, as, a, as a young child growing up in the business is still the same about communicating, you know, being honest, being open, being genuine and, and, and looking after your, your staff. So all those things are still, still the same in modern day business. And still having a good tasting carrot. I mean, that's the basics. My word, absolutely. <laughs> so you're still in business with Neil after all of this time. I'm guessing Harvest Moon is a play on words with his name. Absolutely. Well done. So back in the early 90s, we we're doing a lot of exporting into Japan and Southeast Asia. And back in those days, it was Fourth Farm Produce Pricery Limited. Now, that's a mouthful for even us Aussies, let alone, <laughs> let alone the, the Asian population. They just couldn't get their, their mouths around all the Fs and and uh, they couldn't pronounce it. So after one trip, I came back and I said, mate, we've got to change this. So we came up with Harvest Moon and Harvest Moon it is. So tell us about the seasons there in Tassie and what makes it such a wonderful place to be living and to be growing. So Tassie, very seasonal uh, business. The seasons here are literally to the day. So the day spring starts, everything starts to flower, the birds start to chirp. It's, it's, it's to the day. Where, where is what known as cool climate producers. So we have a very cool, gentle growing climate. We don't get the extremes of heat like mainland do. So the crops, even though they take a little bit longer to grow, they don't have the stresses and strains like some of the other producing areas in Australia have. So we're pretty, pretty fortunate in that regard. And a lot of times we don't get the pressures from uh, bugs and diseases because of our, our cool, gentle climate. Look, and being close to the sea too, Edwina, has such a big impact on that too. Being uh, what's called a maritime climate production centre, so that, that really helps grow these little veggies uh, nice and tasty. I know that there'd be a lot of involvement in, in the business side and the big picture, but you must still get a lot of personal satisfaction from just wandering around those fields and seeing what you're, you're actually producing. Yeah, look, every day and, and every morning I start off with driving around the farms and uh, it is amazing to see a tiny little seed that's, that's planted and then all of a sudden, you know, 120, 130 days later, you harvest these mag magnificent products. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is amazing and unfortunately at times when you do get so busy, you do take it for granted, but every now and again you sort of pinch yourself and say, hey, wow, look at that. I imagine, Mark, although the seasons are often favourable in Tassie, there have been some pretty tough times as well in business for any grower take us through one of those times where you thought man you know are we going to actually get through this yeah look 2016 was 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 a pretty tough year for harvest moon we we had a flood come through northern tasmania it was the first time in living history that all the major rivers of northern tasmania all flooded on the same day so we actually had um, a meter and a half water come through our office 
parts of our factory, we had up to two metres of water go through our operation. So that was pretty tough. That was um, June in 2016, and it nearly demolished our, our office and our workplace. So that was pretty tough. It cost us a lot of money, but more so, it, it took, you know, four and five months to really get us back on, back on track again. But I tell you what, it goes to show you the calibre of people that you have working with the operation when you, when, you, when you hit hard times like that, because, you know, here we were the day after the flood and we had so many people turning up here, gumboots on, sleeves rolled up, said, right, where do we need to start cleaning up all this mud? So, you know, and it wasn't just our workforce. We had so many local people say, what can we do? How can we help? So that was, that was very reassuring to have, you know, such strong business and, and community support behind us. What did that mean to you, Mark? Because you're a bloke from Dubbo via Sydney who ended up in Tassie and even after 30 years, still not considered a local, really, like anyone. So what did that mean to you personally? Yeah, look, it was very humbling, really humbling, you know, and uh, we all had tears in our eyes the morning after the flood trying to work out what was going to happen. And uh, it just hit home to me that, you know, how important our relationship is with our staff and, uh, and how strong the ties are that they believe that how important Harvest Moon is to their lives. So, I mean, yes, it was a, it was a tough time, but it was also it was a, you know, a very re- rewarding um, time as far as dedication the staff have to our business. How has that been tested over the last 18 months, which has been a trying time for everyone, Mark? Yeah, look, it has. I suppose we've been very lucky here in Tassie. We're you know, all jealous of Tassie. I mean... <laughs> We've got our own little moat, haven't we? So we're pretty good in that regard. <laughs> pretty fierce moat as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, look, there's been times where we've had to bunker down and, and 12 months ago, COVID could have easily come through our whole workforce and, and, and shut us down because at any one day, you know, we had probably up to two, 300 people in, in our factories. So we were very worried and paranoid that, you know, at a minute's notice, we could have had to shut the whole place down. But again, we've got some champion people on you know, in our, in our place, setting protocols, making sure that we're sticking to it. And again, just that whole commitment to the business is just, you know, outstanding. Do you think it's changed the way Australians think about where their produce comes from? Yeah, definitely. Look, COVID has helped that. But the, the last 10 years, I think the commitment from, you know, all the major retailers has really hit home in Australia. You know, we are very, very fortunate to have the, I suppose, the blessing from our major retailers pushing Australian grown. So has COVID had an impact on that? Yes, it has, but that was already been a major play by you know, Woolies, especially in the last five and 10 years. I think as a parent or becoming a parent has actually made me so much more aware of those country of origin labels than than ever before. When, when that was introduced, did that really change things up for you in, in terms of people going, oh, actually that is Australian made or, or that's come all the way from Hungary. That feels too far for me. Look, in the fresh produce industry, we're pretty lucky in Australia because the broad geography of Australia, like we can grow 52 weeks to year in Australia because of our climatic conditions and our landscape. I suppose the big thing, especially in our local area here in, in Tasmania, is, is the frozen sector. And that's one area that's really ridden uh, off the back of uh, Australian-made produce. So we supply uh, Simplot, who now owns Edgels, with a lot of second grade or number one or number two grade produce. And their business is booming really on the back of Australian-grown produce. So yes, you are right. It's, it's vitally important that we have a, we look after Aussie farmers. But at the same time, it's, um, 
it's been a godsend for our local area down here as far as the growers that, that provide for the processing sector, such as frozen peas and beans and, and carrots and potatoes. So it's been a godsend for the, the veggie industry. I think you really do take it for granted here in Australia that you can walk into to any any green grocery or supermarket and actually find some of the most amazing produce in the world. As a consumer, I find that that quite amazing. So it must be quite satisfying to contribute to that as a grower. Look, I always say we in Australia, we have the, the best fresh produce in the world. I mean, prior to COVID, I mean, I do a lot of traveling worldwide. You know, we have clients in Asia and right through Southeast Asia and Europe and the UK. So I'm always over there visiting. I'm just amazed every time I come home at how good our quality is compared to other parts of the world. Has it been a bit of a silver lining for you that you've actually got to remain in Tassie over the last few months, Mark? Yeah, yeah, it has. And it's and it's been great, obviously, to be home with my wife and the kids. But at the same time, our business has, has been built on, I suppose, technology and ideas that we've garnered from other parts of the world. So I'm a, I'm a little bit worried there might be a bit of a void in technology transfer because we can't travel. We can't see what's the trends of what's happening around the world. No doubt, once the, the borders are open, we'll, we'll get back on those planes. But there, might, there may be a bit of a time lag there in keeping up to date with what's happening around the world with food trends. What about your wife? Is she itching to get rid of you? Do you think you've got itchy feet? <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I think it's the longest I've ever been in Tasmania. So she's, she's definitely keen for me to start travelling again. Stick around, Mark, while we catch up with Liam. Carlos, you've been nominated as team member of the year for your skills on the checkout. Congratulations. How do you feel about that? Cheers. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I enjoy what I do. Do you have any hacks for our customers about how to pack a reusable bag faster? Uh, understanding that your heavier stuff goes into the bottom first. It's more like a Tetris game. So like, you know, cold stuff together. You cold know, stuff. So categorise them by the family groups. Absolutely. Good, good, good. And now, what would be the busiest time of year on the checkout? I'd say I'd say, um, Christmas? I'd say Christmas, but honestly, where I work, the Willows um, Woolworths, some weekends are a lot more busy than Christmas, if I'm being honest. It's crazy. Now, Carlos, I've got one last question for you. Yeah. And it's a big one. Do you keep tomato sauce in the fridge or the pantry? I actually keep mine in the fridge, eh? You keep yours in the fridge? Well, that's that's probably the most sensible place. Can you believe it? Some people put it in the pantry. Well, think of it this way. You know, when you heat up a sausage roll, it's hot, right? So, like, the tomato sauce just balances it out if it's in the fridge. Thank you so much for your time today, Carlos. It's been an absolute honour speaking to you. Congratulations on being a nominee. Cheers. And Edwina, back to you. Thanks very much, Liam. I'm here with Mark Cable, innovative veggie farmer from Tasmania. Tell me about when you got to Tassie, you set up the business, you established those roots, and then that's where you really started a family. So that's home to you now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going anywhere now. Um, It's just such an amazing part of the world to bring up children. Beautiful big old country home and we've got land and the boys ride motorbikes and we've got a tennis court and Saffron, my youngest daughter, she's she goes to the local school, which is five minutes down the road. So, you know, it's a great little country environment. And what about your kids? Very happy growing up in Tazid or do they see their horizons further away doing the reverse of what you did? They're very happy growing up in Tazid. Mind you, the, the three boys are all in boarding school in Sydney at the moment, or they should be, but... They've done their secondary schooling in Sydney, which has been a great, you know, eye-opening experience for them. And hopefully they'll go on and uh, study university or, or ag courses somewhere on the mainland. Yeah, look, without a doubt, you know, when the, when the kids were little, it, it, 
it was a mandatory every Saturday morning. They used to come and spend time with me on the farm. That was just that was the given. And then still now, like every chance, they uh, they come and ride with me around, you know, in the ute. And I, I try and explain to them what we're doing and why we're doing. And we're fortunate now that all the three boys in the school holidays all spend all their time on the farm driving tractors, learning the trade. So that's no, great. We're very fortunate. What do you chat about on those mornings out on the, you know, having a look at the land and driving around? Oh, really just explaining to them about the soil I'm probably like an ag teacher trying to trying to instill on them about. <laughs> yeah, we've heard about the soil before, Dad. We know yeah, it all. Just trying to instill on them on some of the some of the basics of growing good vegetables and where it all starts. And it all starts with soil health. Is there a secret to it? Is that the secret? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, look, yes, we've got some of the best soils in the world, and we've got you know a beautiful, gentle maritime climate. But you've got to look after these soils and. We, you know, we, we farm them pretty hard, so it's it's year in, year out. And uh, so you've got to look after them and do and do the right thing by it. You wouldn't think that you could reinvent a carrot, but in fact, you guys managed to do that. Tell us about what you did a few years ago with a new kind of product. Yeah, Edwina, I suppose we're always on the, on the lookout, looking for new ideas. And we're actually at a field day in Holland. We saw this stumpy little short little carrot and uh there there and then we thought wow that's got to be that's that's great that's novel we started playing around with it and five years later we've launched a product called snackables so we're really targeting that that healthy snacking category snacking on the run healthy snacking on the run yeah and it's been incredibly successful so far I'm a sucker for the snackable. They're in my trolley every single time I go to the supermarket. So is that good growing or good marketing? Look, it's it's both. It's um, it's not an easy carrot to grow, believe it or not. And that's why it's, it's quite an old variety. It's been around for a long time, but no one really picked it up because it's a tough little thing to, to work out how to grow it. So our field staff, and we've got some pretty smart agronomists here at Harvest Moon, through, through trial and error, we've, we've learned how to grow it and uh, to harvest it and to put it over a washing line. And because it's so small, it falls out through all the lines and all the conveyors. <laughs> and, you know, the first few years, we were literally pulling our hair out, working out how to, how to handle this product. We've persevered and persevered and persevered. And, and now it's, uh, we're supplying a thousand stores to Woolworths every week, straight away. I love the idea of you, Mark, sitting down at night at the dinner table, just, just yeah, tearing your hair out, wondering how to deal with this tiny, tiny carrot. Is there anything you ever found overseas and thought, this will be massive, I'll bring this back to Australia, we'll start growing it, and it was a total flop? Oh, that happens every year. <laughs> Give us some examples. So we, we, we found a, another bean one on the similar process to, uh, or a similar platform of carrots, but Anyway, we're, we're playing with it, but, you know, we've been playing with this bean one. It's a mini bean. How much smaller could a bean get? Oh, yeah, a lot smaller, but really fine. <laughs> but it's got, to, it's got to have all the right attributes. And, and flavours are a really important one that we work hard on. You know, there's, there's so many vegetables out there nowadays that have tasteless. So we're making sure that whatever we do, it's got to, it's got to taste good. So anyway, the bean one's throwing a, a few curveballs at us at the moment but you know we'll, we'll get there we played for many years with a, a japanese pumpkin called kabocha but literally it was a ticking time bomb we'd pack it in a container we'd ship it to japan and sometimes by the time it got to japan it, it, it'd just be running out of the doors the containers as they'd open so it just exploded on mass in transit <laughs> so that was always challenging we've done some weird and wonderful things at times 
I love it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by to purchase the baby bean in the future. I want to get to the secret of getting kids to eat veggies. But firstly, we share something in common. You hate fennel. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? As I said, we grew up around the the banks of the Hawkesbury River growing potatoes um, as a kid. And and back in summer, you know, those 40-degree days on the banks of the Hawkesbury River, you'd go down and have a swim and you'd have to climb through that fennel that used to grow wild on the banks of the Hawkesbury River. It looks very pretty. It does look pretty, but I don't know. Just <laughs> climbing through that fennel to get to to get to the water hole just used to cover me in that aniseed sense. And I've, ever since then, I've just never been able to eat fennel. Yeah, I hate it. It tastes like licorice. I don't like licorice either. Well, it's funny. I can eat licorice, and I've even been partial to the odd sambuca, but I uh, <laughs> I just can't eat fennel. I remember chatting to a grower at Flemington a few years ago. He said they started growing um, kale basically on on the side of the road. And couldn't believe when it became a fad and people started eating it in restaurants and fancy places. Fennel, I feel, is a bit the same. It just sort of took off in restaurants, even though people detest the taste. Yeah, look, I mean, there's my my wife loves fennel and I I must admit, she's slowly (laughs) bringing me around to uh, adjusting my palate to eating it. It's the way she cooks it nowadays. But yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's not, it's about the only thing I really don't. Stay strong. Yeah. Stay strong, Mark. Anti-fennel club. All right, yeah. give us the secret. What is the secret to getting kids to eat veggies? Strangely enough, my daughter will eat broccoli, but that's it. Broccoli and corn, pretty much the only two veggies. Well, again, as young kids, as I said, taking them around the farm, and we used to eat a lot of this stuff raw on a Saturday morning around the farm. When they were all young, there was no options. They had to they had to sit down and eat their vegetables. That was it. They weren't going to leave that table unless that broccoli was finished. <laughs> now there are a few products I'm still struggling with even today with three teenage boys, but that's pumpkin. But by and large, our kids will eat everything other than pumpkin. So look, don't overcook the veggies. That's a plus, especially broccoli. I think. We all grew up. Well, I know I grew up in that in that era of the of the seventies and, and eighties where mum used to cook the broccoli to death. Um, <laughs> My mum is still cooking broccoli to death, and, and the water goes green. I try and yeah. say to her, "Mum, once the water's green and the broccoli is not, I think it's probably been cooked just a smidgen too long." Yeah, so I think that's really important. But really, start them super super young. Just don't take no as an option. <laughs> leave them at the table till the broccoli is finished that's the secret absolutely is there any veggies aside from pumpkin your kids refuse to eat or do you take it as a personal offense when they when they don't eat them again they're not fan of fennel no they they, they have a they have a crack at most things even brussels sprouts <laughs> mark veggies tend to go in trends and waves so before we let you go what is the next big thing what are you dreaming about there in Tassie that we could be uh, eating over the next few years? Oh, look, definitely the um, the whole snackable line. So the, the healthy snacking category, as I said, is growing at an alarming rate in Australia, worldwide for that matter. So, you know, we're really looking at that whole area. And other than beans, we've, we've got a whole other raft of new lines we're hoping to roll out over the next three and four years. So that's quite exciting. I suppose we're just trying to uh, differentiate ourselves in the marketplace Look, cauliflower is, is another great product that I think is having a bit of resurgence at the moment. Again, 
You know, we've learned how to cook it. These cooking shows have been great for our industry. And, and some of these new varieties now, are they're flavoursome. They're, they're, they're beautiful tasting cauliflower. Again, you know, I love eating them raw in the paddock. And they're uh, colourful. Yes, they are very colourful. Is that natural? Yeah, they've been they've been bred that way. I mean, that's wow. it, it, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of difference as far as the eating qualities go, but they look great on the table served. Yeah, as I said, the, the snacking category, and uh, I think a lot of it will come back to you know packaging and and convenience. It must be a wonderful thing for you, Mark, knowing that when you sit down at your dinner table in Tassie. Hundreds of thousands of other families across Australia are sitting down to in, enjoy your veggies too. Yeah, which is great because I suppose we're a great part of feeding our country. So that's a great honour to be able to do that. But it's also great that we're providing a product that is so healthy and nutritious for our bodies and, and for our children. Well, Mark, next time I snack on a snackable, I'll think of you and that is a, that's a compliment. I mean it as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much for, for chatting to us and we're very jealous of your idyllic location there where the farmland meets the sea. We hope to visit one day. Thanks, Edwina. Many thanks. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate, like and subscribe to this episode wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, thanks for listening to From Grassroots. I'm Edwina Bartholomew.